Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller and you are watching, we're not watching, you're listening to a pro wrestling show. It is the second one of the week. Make sure you turn the clock back a few days and I've started calling it the flagship show just because WWE does that with Raw. It means nothing. It makes absolutely no sense. It does go live every uh, every uh, Tuesday at 1pm BST over my YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller and of course supported by patreon.com forward slash Simon316. If you could check a dollar in there, it'd be great. And come follow me on Instagram, Twitter at SimonMiller316. Talking of Patreon, what I like to do, if you've never listened before, and I know I do the same intro every week, but look, you've got you to reach out to those that may have just stumbled across this. We like to get Patreons on the show because it's something I started doing a few years ago, and I find that you can have some incredible conversations and get some incredible insight. And I'm happy to say that coming back for the second time and also giving up her morning entirely because she is a very, <laughs> very nice person is Colleen. Colleen, how are you doing today? Hello, hello. So let's just, it's 6 a.m. Where clean is right now, which is yeah. I I I don't deserve such dedication, but I appreciate <laughs> it all the same. I mean, when you, when you already have to get up and you know take a dog out and you know work out and make sure that you get coffee and everything, it, it, it's just kind of you know another little fun hurdle to to. Morning. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to come on a, a British wrestling radio show, right? Why the I hell mean, not? Uh, I feel like this is like the perfect ad advertisement for uh, your your wrestling, you know, Patreon because it's like, oh, look at this! You could talk to some some you know crazy wrestling guy from <laughs> from, <laughs> from England. <laughs> Damn right! And now we're doing it. Now we are doing it right. So the, the very, very cool thing about this episode, I mean, this couldn't have worked out any better if we had tried. There's been a big controversy all week long. It still hasn't died down. Wrestling Observer still talking about it and somewhat and somewhat. Is that there was a uh, pay-per-view uh, in, the, in the world of the WWE called Stomping Grounds. And yeah, it didn't do particularly well. That is the truth in terms of attendance. WWE, I'll say apparently, just in case, were comping the show, giving out free tickets, doing $2, uh, two tickets for $20. But amazingly... Colleen went to this damn show. She was there. <laughs> so she has a first-hand experience of what happened. So what I want to do is I want to go through it step by step because I want your opinion on some things as well. Let's start with the tickets. What did – What? don't tell me what you – I don't need to know what you paid for them in terms of specifics. But did you pay full price or did you get them discounted? So I actually didn't get them full price. This is a whole shebang. It was just going to be me and my boyfriend. We were going to go sit where we usually sit. Which is, you know, not on the ground floor, but, you know, right up, you know, a couple rows up. So, you know, we're visible to be on television. I've a, I usually bring signs and everything. But um, one of my best friends, um, her sister passed away. And, oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, I, it's, it was kind of, you know, sudden and everything. And, it, you know, it's really shocking. But um, she had a, a daughter. And... She's been shuffling between, you know, staying at her, you know, biological father's house to staying with, you know, my my friend. And so uh, I've gotten to know her and, you know, she's a 13 year old who loves wrestling. Like she loves WWE product, uh, you know, from the John Cena hats to, 
you know, a Roman Reigns thing to now she loves Seth Rollins and, you know, she never been to a pay-per-view. And so this is amazing. I like the story already. Right. (laughs) So it's someone who, you know, doesn't read, you know, opinion blogs or watch, you know, any sort of like outside critique of what she already watches, you know, week in and week out. Um, she never really was allowed to watch pay-per-views unless it was with, you know, an adult. And now that I've been introduced in her life, she's been, her eyes have been open wide. <laughs> <laughs> You've ruined her. You've broken yeah. her. Now that's it. Yeah, just like exactly. hating it. <laughs> um, but she loves every, like she boos the, you know, the heels. She cheers the faces. Love it. She's a brand new wrestling fan. And, you know, instead of like, struggling and I was like okay like I had you know these tickets they were you know about $90 a piece I knew it wasn't selling well so I was like okay let me see what we can do and they were having you know the you know buy one get one free you know two for one deal however with with Ticketmaster and all of their service fees and all of that it really does not come out to you know half the price. It's it's basically like getting another ticket with all the service and fees. See, that's the thing no one talks about, right? I knew it. I knew there would be some kind of. <laughs> there's always something, isn't there? There is always something. Yeah. So, and you know, Tacoma, you know, where where people, you know, I've seen online talk about like, okay, why was it in Tacoma and not downtown Seattle? So, uh, Seattle. They've had they've had you know WrestleMania at Safeco Field, which is now you know T-Mobile Park here, and you know they have a stadium for you know American football, and then they have the Key Arena, which the Key Arena is where the SuperSonics used to play the basketball team, and that stadium is like, in my opinion, disgusting. Like the amount of wear that has happened to that stadium, it. it it's not, it's not proper, you know, the, the city of Seattle knows that it, it needs renovations, (laughs) but they're not willing to put through, you know, so it's just kind of like an eyesore, you know, a little bit. It's, it's fine. You know, it's fine for, you know, your random one-off shows or, you know, the symphony comes in town, but it's not where they generally try to go to. So we have these outlying stadiums outside of the city, near like the airport because the airport's not in downtown but it's in Tacoma and so it's a little bit south of Seattle and there happens to be you know a bunch of construction around and you know uh, I just put my car full of you know my best friend and you know the you know this 13 year old girl and my boyfriend and we were going to have other people come with us who unfortunately couldn't attend you know, due to it being a Sunday evening and, you know, when you get to be 30, sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Life would always <laughs> get in the way. Things. Always, yeah. But, you know, all week she's been talking about how excited she's been, you know, to go to this. She's very excited to hang out with me. And from the moment we were stuck in traffic outside of the stadium trying to park to walking into the Tacoma Dome, where there, I mean... knowing that me knowing that like, Oh, like they're always having like buy one, get one for a dollar for, you know, t-shirts or merchandise. And just seeing her be like, can we please wait in line? Can we please, (laughs) you know, can I get a drink? Can we get popcorn? You know, all the, all the things you remember doing at 13. I, I don't care what, you know, 
some critic online said about Stomping Grounds. It was honestly one of my favorite pay-per-views I've ever attended. But that's awesome, though. See, that's lovely because I think we do forget. The two things I think everybody forgets are, one, if you're a kid, you are still having fun. Like, everyone forgets that. Like, kids just buy into what they're seeing. Like, my friend's kid thinks Kofi Kingston is the greatest person in the world. He doesn't care about anything else. He just thinks Kofi's the greatest person in the world. But also, it's that experience and how you approach it. It was amazing for her because it was brand new and it was exciting. There was loads of people there, even though, okay, they didn't sell out, yada, yada, yada. And she just wanted to see some live wrestling. She got to experience that. I already know what the internet critic will say. Yes, but if the product was even better, shut up. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, exactly. it, it doesn't matter. It's not. And she still enjoyed it. And that's what matters. And we shouldn't, you know, get on anybody's, anybody's case, uh, anybody's case for them. So that's a wonderful story. They're the, they're the kind of things I, I like to hear. But I guess from your vantage point as well, you know, being in the arena and stuff like that. Firstly, because pictures, I mean, they tell, they, they do tell a story, but not as well as somebody that actually sat there can be. So sure. how, how uh, empty I'll go with, was it? But also what was the, <laughs> what was the... What was the atmosphere like? Because I think sometimes, as a fan, I don't really care. I, I don't, I'm interested in how many tickets WWE sells, but I don't have to care. Do you know what I mean? It makes no difference to my life or my enjoyment of the product. I mean, yes, it's, uh, it's a good reflector of where, the, where WWE is. But you could have one person in the arena, and if I like it, I like it. It doesn't, obviously, having a good crowd is important. But yeah, from that point of view, and from your, you know, from your perspective, somebody that's been to these, these shows before, was the atmosphere any different? Was there a lot of chatter about what's going on? Or really, was it business as usual? But because it didn't sell as well as people were hoping, it, you know, it, it kind of took the shine away from the rest of the event. So, uh, like I mentioned before, the traffic was insane getting in. I'm not sure if it was because, you know, there is construction. But all the parking lots were full. Just to give that, you know, what was open, because uh, they, I understand that they do have they're giant buses and everything that take up a giant portion of the parking. But just so you guys have an idea, the parking lot was full. And so I never got the impression walking in unless I knew, you know, had been listening to everything that, you know, that people are talking about how the curtain on one side was completely, you know, blacked out and, you know, everyone was being asked to, you know, scoot closer and everything. So it looked more packed. I understand that. You know, I, I get it. It's for television. I mean, it, if people want to, you know, gripe about that, it's for a television program. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You, you want to make it look as good as you can. Right. Um, but I was on, you know, the top, you know, the second mezzanine. So it's, I wasn't, you know, on the ground floor, you know, I got to see everything and it didn't seem empty to me. It it just seemed like they were pushing every, you know how like if you've been to a family function and okay, everyone squeeze together, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then people go, wow, that's a lot of people in the picture, but you know, they're not seeing like how empty it is around, but you just start seeing that, that moment. And I think that's all that's important. And the crowd from the moment, I mean, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, but, you know, I took the moment with the cruiserweight and I was woefully upset about it because Drew Gulak is one of my favorite, uh, you know, cruiserweight wrestlers. Oh, there you go. 
And I was watching it on my phone while getting a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like watching like Kiritazawa do that, you know, thing off the apron where he just like slammed his whole body and just being a part of that experience on my phone and everyone was huddled around me while waiting in line, you know, for a beer was like the weirdest, you know, thing. But like wrestling is like, Watching wrestling is like a a group effort, you know. And- oh, oh no, absolutely. Like, honestly, I, I I know what I said earlier, but a a good crowd can turn a crap pay per view into an amazing one. It just can. If you've got people going crazy again, it's Hollywood Hogan versus The Rock. That match ain't no good, but you put that crowd in it. Best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And not to mention, I mean. I know that Aberdeen, Washington is, you know, a little bit further from Tacoma, but he's still at the moment Daniel Bryan came out. It was like, you know, WrestleMania 30 with those yes chants. Oh yeah. They were crazy. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely insane. And you know, and I was telling my boyfriend, if they wanted, you know, heavy machinery to win, that that would have made them instant heels. <laughs> and I, <laughs> That's true. I don't think that that's what they would have wanted to do just because it's Daniel Bryan. But I mean, from Becky Lynch, you know, starting, you know, the main pay-per-view to, I mean, unfortunately the last match, um, the crowd owned it. And, you know, whether or not they sold 3000 tickets to, you know, what I thought was probably like 10,000 people, you know, it's it's a perspective thing. It it didn't feel like I was the only person in the room, and I think that that was the most important thing. I, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. Let's shift to the main event, though, because... Yeah, well, there we go, right? I, 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 I probably should have talked about it more when we did ups and downs to this, but I was like, I can't be, not that I can't be bothered. I was just like, what's the point? It is what it is. I, I mentioned it in passing, and I thought that was enough. Apparently not. Apparently I should have made a 25-minute a video about it. But, um, yeah, as soon as Lacey Evan gets announced as a special guest referee, there is a very, um, uh, there's, a, there's a turn by the audience. They start charting what CM Punk, AEW, there was some other stuff mm-hmm. I can't remember. Basically, they were letting people know that they weren't, they didn't like this and the match kind of fell apart because of that as has happened before like there's nothing too unsurprising or untoward about that it's happened before i know it's going to happen again personally as i've already said i don't think it was the the best choice they could have done but it made sense and it ties into a longer story so i was like well you know i can't i i don't hate it as much as others but again i just want your perspective because you were there you, again, and also you're there with someone that's young and trying to enjoy their, their, their first ever WWE experience. What, firstly, what did you think when Lacey Evans came out? And then what did you think when all the fans went a bit nuts? So every time uh, I wasn't a fan of Lacey Evans in NXT, I right. just thought, you know, from what I know that, you know, how she's acted backstage and how she's, you know, presented herself as the kind of person you want to punch in the face. And that's, that's honestly a great heel, but I think Lacey Evans still has a lot of work to do, but she's, you know, the Charlotte 2.0, right? So when Baron Corbin came out, it was like a little bit of trickling booze. And then the moment Lacey Evans was announced as a special guest referee, the entire stadium was just like, overwhelmed with booze and 
it's one of those things that, you know, I participated in the booze, you know, the 13 year old girl was sitting next to me and booing and, you know, trash talking. And I genuinely love seeing that start at a young age because they, they don't swear, you know, but, or at least in front of adults, <laughs> but hearing the, the chants go from the previous match of Kofi and Dolph, which was fine, but everybody like Kofi's obviously over with the crowd. Like mm. the amount of cheers, the moment he leapt outside of that steel cage to minutes later where the crowd had taken over and started chanting AEW and CM Punk. And this is boring. And, you know, this is awful. And, you know, you suck over and over again. It was, it was a little bit jarring knowing that like, okay, people like Dolph and Kofi, but what don't they like about Baron Corbin? And, you know, being a person who's seen kind of how it's, it's, it's interesting to me how WWE was so quick to blame the bad shows last year on Baron Corbin. But here we are in June, 2019 <laughs> and they are giving him the main event push. Yeah, well, I and think gonna... you can kind of tie it into both of them, right? The big argument. I'm not giving my opinion either way here. I'm saying the argument is, why are we putting Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin on top of the card? That's the argument. That is the argument right now. And, you know, that's one of the reasons we've got this turn at Stomping Grounds, because people didn't want to see Lacey Evans in that spot, regardless whether it made sense or not. They're like, nope, not having it. I mean, I was seeing things online reporting that it could have been Bray Wyatt, which I was like, yeah, let's do that. Brock Lesnar mm, makes sense for that money in the bank. Okay, sure. Um, you know, someone even at the stadium was like, I heard it's going to be Mick Foley because he's in town. <laughs> I love that. They're the best. I used to do that with my mate because we were assholes. When we used to queue up for wrestling shows, we just say stuff like, oh, I hear that Rey Mysterio is going to be here. No, he wasn't. Yeah. We would just plot yeah, the exactly. city to see what people would do. Exactly. But you know, the moment she came out, it was one of those things that I was like, they're just going to extend the feud with them to SummerSlam, you know, depending on, you know, where Seth and Becky are. But I feel like uh, it's like WWE gets this idea. Okay, awesome. Uh, who is Becky's rival? Lacey. Okay, who is Seth's rival? Corbin. Awesome. Let's just milk this until it's dry and then we'll move on. And it's, it's not that I don't like a heel because I mean, you always talk about Samoa Joe and I am for some strange reason, so in love with Samoa Joe. <laughs> Cause the best, that's why Clint is the absolute best. <laughs> like I, there is some weird crush going on that I, I can't, you know, describe, you know, um, I also have a crush on Rusev. Like when he's a heel, it, I, I eat that up, you know, <laughs> when triple H is a heel, I mean, triple H is the more natural, you know, exudes a little bit more of sex, but you know, I like that sort of heel. So what is it about Baron Corbin that I don't like? And it, and it's not like a, he's a heel and it's not like Lacey Evans is a heel. So that's why I don't like them. And I, th I think it boils down to the fact that wrestling fans aren't stupid. You know, they know that 
Baron Corbin has what three moves, and one of them is a baseball slide. And Lacey Evans does, you know, f- three moves and yawns a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not wrong. It's, it's that connection, though, isn't it? I don't want to. I don't want to start talking in, in in stereotypical terms, but like Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't have that many moves towards the end of his run because he was was injury, you know, injury prone. Most not injury prone, he was injured, and he had to try and protect himself. But it's the way. Again, I sound like the most cliched wrestling fan. It's what he did with those moves and where he did it, and listening to the fans and reactions. Whereas you know, probably not even their fault. Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans feel a bit like they're going through the motions because they've been told uh, they've been told what to do. But the real confusing thing to me is it's like you say i don't understand why wwe keep beating us over the head with the same thing when they're not seeing uh, a retort on the other side like i say you were at this event uh, you felt the atmosphere you certainly felt it a little bit yourself does it change your opinion at all when you learn that becky and seth are sort of helping piece all this together like it was partly their idea to you know capitalize on the real relationship they do have tie that into an ongoing story we're going to see them together because some people obviously decided that this was a WWE idea through and through. And who knows? Who knows the truth, right? But it does seem like they've all sat down with it and Becky and Seth were like, nah, man, let's do it. Let's, it sounds like a, an interesting thing to do. Well, I mean, I feel like Seth Rollins is in everyone's book right now uh, because of, you know, what he's been going back and forth with, what you did, know, Will Ospreay about. What did you think of that? Um... I was totally for it until Seth said, oh, I have a bigger bank account. I agree. Same thing, right? I'm all for it. You take some shots, but don't do that. I totally agree. And I think I even, like, commented underneath it or something. And I was like, is this, like, a dick measuring contest? Like, do I need a, you know, do I need to be, have an adult here or something? Like, it, it, it was making me uncomfortable knowing that, okay, this is Becky Lynch's man. And this is the way that he's acting. But because I, you know, I put Becky in that stone cold category of, you know, she's very important to me. And I feel like she is something to be protected by the WWE. Um, but I, I, I had such a problem with it, especially on Raw, where um, where Seth was like, you know, and I have the best backup, you know, in my corner or whatever. And it's like. No, 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 no. You were the man's backup. <laughs> well, this was always going to happen, wasn't it? When you, when you have a relationship kind of a thing, somebody needs to lead the charge. And uh, it's, 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 it's an awkward thing. It's an awkward thing to do. I just, my, I, I agree with you on the, on the social, uh, the social media stuff is I, I was surprised that he came out so vitriolic to begin with. But then I was a bit like, you know what? No one else is defending WWE right now. You, 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 you work for them. So, you know, why can't you come out and, uh, and sort of speak? Someone has to defend the place. I mean, you could argue that it's not the most uh, smartest of times, simply because, like I say, the online impression of WWE right now, or the general consensus, whatever you want to call it, is a bit like, oh, they're not exactly, uh, you know, they're not exactly where they need to be. So coming out and defending it can make you look a bit like you're not really seeing what's going on but he works there he's the guy he's being pushed Vince McMahon's obviously signed off for this but then as soon as you I don't mind you going I'm the best wrestler in the world I really really don't go nuts man if you don't think you are then maybe there's something wrong to begin with but as soon as again you start taking the pot shots and you do it in quite an aggressive way that's when I'm a bit like uh, 
I don't know, man. Like, it, it just it, it's just a reaction thing. And my reaction was, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, now, now we've sort of gone off piste a bit here. Yeah. I mean, Simon Miller, if you were, you and I were going back and forth and saying, okay, who had the best voice on the internet? And, you know, I mean, there's no contest, obviously, it's you. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. But if we were going back and forth, and then the, mo- the moment you go, well, I have more Patreon you know, members than you, it's like, fine, Simon Miller, you want to be a dick? Okay, let's go. Exactly. Like, what That wasn't what we were arguing about. Like, right. it, it doesn't matter how many Patreon members I've got, or in this case, how much money I'm earning, because that's like saying that the amount of money you earn is, is a status thing. And I, look, some people see it that way, and that's fine, but it's not you know, it's not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. Like you can be the better wrestler, or however you want to pitch it, but not have the same earnings as somebody else. And that wasn't the point anyway. That wasn't the point. Seth Rollins was trying to make out. You know, everyone's crapping over this pay per view, or they're you know in the build up. I don't agree. I think we're the best, and I'm going to show you why I think that. It was like awesome, Seth. You do that, man. You wave that flag. If people don't agree with you, great. But as soon as you then go, and I earn more money than you, are like, dude, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how much money you earn. I, I, I'm interested, but, like, but I don't care how much money WWE earns or New Japan. I really don't care. So poof, I don't know. It, it went sour very quickly. It did. And, you know, I saw, you know, certain people trying to defend it online. And it's like, I don't, I don't see how you can you know, defend that sort of mentality of like, oh, it's a numbers game. Like, that's the only thing in wrestling is that there are numbers. But like I, you know, mentioned last time I was on here, I, you know, I go to this, you know, local wrestling show and a couple hundred people fit in this basement and we watch this, you know, weird wrestling called 3-2-1 Battle. And guess what? So I mentioned, uh, side note, I mentioned that referee that refed the Tegan Ox match where uh, she exploded her knee during the Bay Young Classic. She's the female wrestler that was signed to AEW. So uh, she she's one of the main refs that'll be there, you know, every other Friday. And they brought in uh, Sunny Kiss two weeks ago to, you know, be the main event and, you know, work with this, you know, guy named Steve West and, uh, I don't know if he's Jim Cornette, you know, has been wildly, you know, loud <laughs> about how AEW has been inclusive and, you know, talking about Nyla Rose and talking about Sunny Kiss and even talking about, you know, Ref Aubrey because AEW is doing something different. And it's obviously very different than what WWE is doing, where WWE is wanting to be so cookie cutter and wanting to be so macho man. And AEW just doesn't care. And the fact that, you know, during this, you know, local wrestling match, there was two people signed on with AEW and they were no better than anyone else that, you know, on that roster, you know, fighting and all of a sudden Aubrey and Sunny Kiss did a dance and they were the, uh, to, uh, the rhythm is going to get you. And you, it's just weird to go from like a very produced product of WWE. And I don't get me wrong. I super love WWE. I think I will go to a show every time they're in town. Nothing will stop me from my ultimate love for WWE. 
But I think the things that the fans are becoming aware of is that there are options. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think that's a really, really good way to put it. And options are good for everybody. Is is the other thing, and as as we've just as we've discussed before, like it's it, it will make everything better. I know it doesn't feel like that um, at the moment. Like some people think the WWE just don't care, but I truly believe, and I could be wrong. And people are allowed that you can come tell me in six months to a year ago, Miller, you're an idiot. And I'd be like, yeah, I am. You're right. Um, but I truly believe that eventually, when the TNT show starts, the WWE won't have a choice. Because and that's look, this is where you can start caring about. Um, uh, would you, you know, uh, numbers and stats and, and things like that? Because if WWE starts doing a, a better job, uh, sorry, a worse job than AEW, people will start to notice that, and that will affect people's perception, and it will affect how people see WWE in general. So, you know, they they they, they do need they do need to watch that. Uh, I just, yeah, I mean, they, 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 we are descending into this whole WWE versus AEW thing, which I'm all for. But it certainly seems as if some people are really, really, really mad about it. And I don't really understand why. It's just, you know, you, if, if for some reason you can either be AEW or you can be WWE and you can't, you can't be both. And I think that's a really stupid way to live, especially in 2019. Maybe a little differently 25 years ago, whenever the hell, less than that, but whenever the hell WCW started. Because it was harder to watch, especially over here in the UK. Anyone that listens to this from the UK, at 10pm on a Friday or 8pm on a Friday, you had to choose Nitro or Raw because they were literally going head to head. And obviously that was the same in the States. Now, like I said, I think it's July the 13th or the 14th. We're going to have the Evolve show which is basically produced by WWE. We've got Fight for the Fallen by AEW. There's something else, and there's a UFC show. I think there's a New Japan show on Axis. So that night, you're going to have to choose what you want to watch live. But then within 24, 48 hours, you can go catch up on everything else if you want. So, you know, in terms of a fan's point of view, the best thing we can have right now is for these people to be embraced. It is for these companies to get better. And hopefully, WWE to realize that and be like, man, we've got to... You know, we, we've got to get things going here because otherwise we potentially could be in trouble down the line. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, six, seven years when it comes to, you know, upping TV deals and negotiating and things like that. But yeah, it, it, but that certainly doesn't mean that they're not in a slump right now. I, I think they are. I think they are in a slump. Although saying that, like I say, you went to the live show and you've come away still feeling pretty upbeat about everything. Yeah. It's funny how that works when you actually stop critiquing the product and actually go in as a fan and you are pleasantly surprised and i feel like i'm you know online constantly seeing people critique product and you ask them okay you're spending three hours on a monday and two hours on a tuesday and an hour or two on wednesday watching 205 live not that i'm assuming they're watching 205 live but, you know, watching NXT and then spending however much time watching the pay-per-views to do what? Complain? I, I feel like if you're that unhappy that much with the product, go away. But no, there will always be people who want to critique something because nothing, nothing will ever be perfect. And I, I feel like if WWE didn't have those you know, Saudi Arabia shows, we'd be in a very different place. But, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, WWE is floundering or drowning yet. I, I just think that there's a hole in their boat and they have no idea how to plug the hole. 
and then there's this there's this other boat you know going along that's faster and newer and doesn't have you know the strict guidelines of how to fill the hole in the boat you know they they're swimming along just fine and people are seeing that but it does come down to how how do you want to get your money do you want to get your money from sponsorships or do you want to get your money from selling merch and selling tickets that's such a good such a good way to put it because that is I, that is exactly what I think the difference is between WWE and AEW is right now. AEW has its really good will with its fan base, and they'll make their money from getting people to come to shows and merchandise and pay-per-views, whereas WWE is going to make their money through corporate means. And usually that comes at the expense of the fan experience. That is the best description of that I've heard so far. That is brilliant. And it's so true. And, uh, you know, it, uh, well, I mean, you know, personally, I don't think you can ever ignore the fan experience for too long because it will come back and whip your ass. But... That's what they're doing right now. And hey, in no world, at least for the next 10 years or so, are AEW going to be making the kind of money that WWE are because WWE is making an incredible amount of cash. And that's really what protects them right now. And it will protect them for some years to come. There's some crazy stat out there. They can go a long time without making any money and they'd be all right. They've got so much coming in. So it, that, that is going to help. Before we move away from the Seth Rollins stuff as well, did you see the interview he did and talked about John Moxley or Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, just know I, ever since, you know, double or nothing and, you know, I, I watched, you know, all the pay-per-views with my, you know, big group of friends and we watched double or nothing. And the entire night I said, John Moxley's coming out and no one believed me. No, he's not going to come out. Okay, cool. Whatever. And then when he came out and then in the weeks coming, had, you know, his little um, podcast with, you know, Chris Jericho, my boyfriend and I sat in the car and just drove around and listened to that podcast. And it all makes sense. But Seth decided to make this known. I'm not sure if that, you know, interview came out later, like a little bit late, because it's been some weeks since that podcast came out. But I don't think Seth is is wrong because it, it's, I mean, everyone's had like a shit job that they hated, you know, where it's relevant, you know, oh, why did you leave, you know, such and such place? Or why did you go to this place? Is it, was it for money? And it's, you know, yeah, you, you shit on your old job a little bit, but then you move on. And it's hard when it's, in front of millions where you go from one job where you were constantly being shit on and everyone knew that you were being shit on. And then you go to a place where you're basically the main event, which is what you've been wanting to do, you know, with Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley is because I've always thought, you know, Dean Ambrose was a main event guy. And every time that he was pushed or, you know, held a title, it was for some reason, some sort of joke. Yeah, it felt very transitional as well. Right. So seeing him, you know, straight away get that, you know, main event with Kenny Omega and, you know, really be featured, it's like I feel like a proud mom, but, you know, he's much older than I am. So it's fine. But it's like I, I feel so proud to see, you know, how far he's come. And I think – you know, Seth wanted to keep in mind that, you know, 
it, it was kind of a little bit inappropriate. Like, is that just how he's going to make his heat? Is that just how he's going to make, you know, his state in AEW relevant is for shitting on WWE because it's cool to do that right now? Because, I mean, if WWE didn't exist, would John Moxley have gone to AEW? It's a fair point. No, it's a fair point. I think Seth said that in the podcast he did this week as well. His point was, you know, WWE made you into the star that, that you were. And maybe maybe you should, uh, you know, maybe you should, you should appreciate that. I think for me, the way that it came across is that when John Moxley was airing all his grievances, it came like someone that had to get all this stuff off their shoulders. And he was aware, he was aware of what they were doing and it was almost therapeutic for him. I totally understand your point and, you know, there is an argument there. But the, when I listened to the Seth Rollins one this week, I think the problem was it all comes down to intent. And I don't think John Moxley ever intended for any of that stuff to come out the way that it did. He just did it, right? He wanted to talk about it, and he talked about it. Whereas the Seth Rollins one feels very much like Vince McMahon has said to Seth Rollins, right, man, you've got to go out there, and you've got to go on the offensive with this, and I also need you to, you know, knock knock your friend. And we have seen that before. I think the thing that got to me the most is when Seth Rollins said to Dean Ambrose, uh, to John Moxley, whatever, you know, he took his ball and he went home. We've heard that before with Stone Cold Steve Austin. We've heard that with Brock Lesnar, with Bill Goldberg. That's a very Vince McMahon-ism. And the only reason it surprised me as much as it did is because Dean Ambrose didn't really do that. You know, Dean Ambrose saw out his contract. He, you know, he did everything by the book. And he just wasn't happy there. And you are, you know, again, should you shit on somewhere on the way out? Maybe not, but he did. And it was entertaining, and a lot of people liked it, which is cool. But that was the only thing that confused me. It was, he didn't really take his ball and went home. He didn't like his lot, and he saw out his contract, and then he went somewhere else. And really, I think why that opened my eyes so wide is, while I was already well aware this was the case, straight away you start going, WWE are definitely, definitely a bit worried about AEW. Because now they've gone on the offensive. Yeah, now they've gone on the offensive to try and shut all this stuff down. And they're doing it through Seth Rollins, who's obviously happy to happy to take up the mantle. But look, you know, I, I don't know what their relationship is these days. I'm sure they are still close and I'm sure they are still friends. But it just surprised me. Like when I saw that headline, I was like, that is not something I expected to uh not something I expected to happen happen this week. And it does tie into this sort of I think it's I think it's all pretty much above board at the moment i think most people see it as like gentle prodding and there's always going to be a bit of ha ha he he there there but once we get going in september october whenever the tnt aw show starts look if aw's ratings start to creep up and wwe start to go or continue to go down which they're doing i think it could change and i think we could get some bad blood in there i'm sure that dean ambrose didn't massively appreciate you know all that being said about him especially from a guy that i'm sure he, he poured his heart out to and this to me is like a proper, I don't want to call it a proper shot, but certainly a bigger shot that I was prepared for. And tying into all the, 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 the stuff on Twitter as well. I didn't expect any of that. It just came from nowhere. Yeah, I, you know, it's hard because when Seth is the main event and, you know, he's now revered to Vince McMahon, it's true that, a lot of his isms and a lot of the things that he says online happen to be sayings that, you know, we all know that Vince McMahon says now, you know, if he says, you know, in a tweet, this is some good shit, you know, we're going to know that that's, 
you know, straight from Vince McMahon and not really how Seth Rollins speaks. And I think every time that you, you talk about on, you know, ups and downs about this is not, you know, when people are cutting promos, even it, this is not how normal people speak. Like, <laughs> people That's don't, not. Who says that? Who says take their ball and go home? I, I don't think I've ever heard that in a natural That's conversation. It's true. true. You know, uh, Unfortunately, that's just kind of how Seth Rollins has chosen to make his money, like we've you know mentioned before. But it's going from you know the Steve Austin show where you know Dean Ambrose was on to you know a few years later and seeing how free it really is. Like you know that that video that he put out the you know the John Moxley where he was like ripping out of a cage you know, out of, out of jail and running away and finally feeling free. But I don't think that that's everyone's experience with WWE. Well, that is the other thing to remember as well. In fact, there's a video going up on what culture about this soon. Um, you know, in the last week, we've heard about Jinder Mahal resigning. We've heard about Mojo Rawley resigning. We've heard about Mike and Maria Canellis resigning. We don't know how true it is, but it certainly seems like there's a there's no smoke without fire, and that completely sort of destroys this idea that everybody wants to get out of the company. And I know that the instant retort to that is, "Oh, those you know those four guys could never achieve anything outside of the WWE." Well, you don't know that. That's utter speculation. Like some people probably would have said that about Cody Rhodes, and Cody Rhodes has changed the wrestling business, but. It goes to show that despite, and I'm not, again, I don't want people to get me misconstrued. WWE isn't a slump. There's no two ways about it. The TV project needs a lot of work. The storyline's needs a lot of work. The wild card rule hasn't helped anything. But it's not this, um, and I don't know how, I mean, my, my point is basically this, and I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. This week, we are well aware that Seth Rollins does not want to go anywhere. Same with Jinder Mahal, Mojo Rawley, the Canellises. I would say it's the same for Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch. They've all come out and made similar statements to, to, to try and combat the things that are going on on the internet. Maybe you could argue they need to do that. They're the bigger fish in the pond, yada, yada, yada. But they have. So, it, I, don't know, I, don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm trying to make out. But I, I, I guess to me it just ties into more of a... A, a splitting of the fan base and a splitting of the companies where right now it's kind of hard to tell what is going to happen over the next year. Like it's far less obvious than maybe it was even at the start of the year in 2019. Things seem to be changing, like I say, changing rapidly, even if it's not anything major. Again, I don't want to reiterate the point, but all this Seth Rollins stuff this week, I don't think even a week ago anybody thought that was going to be a thing now it's definitely a thing. Now everybody's talking about it. Will Ospreay's made t-shirts about it because they went back and forth. And then it, 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 it's just nuts. And if we have got to the point where Seth Rollins is happy to take shots at John Moxley, I totally believe come the end of 2019, we've got a proper war on our hands. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying now with all these things in place, it's something I can absolutely see, I can absolutely see happening. And if nothing else, I hope that once we, I said this about stomping grounds, but I do hope once we get through extreme rules, we can kind of shuffle the pack up a little bit. I, I, I don't, as much as I do like them in their own way, I don't want to see Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. I just don't. It just doesn't, it, it, it just does, and it may be brilliant. And I'd be happy to turn around and go, man, I made a terrible mistake. But that doesn't make me want, I, I keep it nice and simple these days. It doesn't, it makes me want to tune in for ups and downs because I can have a hell of a lot of fun with that. But as a wrestling fan, I'm like, I don't really need to see these people fight again because I've seen them fight so much over the last few months. 
it just kind sure. of feels it just it just kind of feels redundant. Yeah, it just doesn't um it doesn't feel important enough. Like it doesn't feel special enough. And I feel like if Seth and Baron weren't constantly fighting every single week and had a match every single week, or if it wasn't, you know, Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley teaming up to take on, you know, Seth Rollins and whoever wants to join him. It's just had, had it been like Nia Jax instead of Lacey Evans, I think I would honestly be a little bit more excited or if it, instead of Baron Corbin, it was any other guy on there, you know, that unfortunately I just, there's just something about Baron Corbin. I don't like, and any other any other heel male heel, I would love to see up against. Who? Let's say we get out of Extreme Rules and it's all done. Who? Who? Who's your, you can pick anybody you want. Who is your? Who is your choice against Seth Rollins? Yeah. I mean, I was hoping that they would be pushing Drew by now, but you know we've kind of seen that a little bit, but. Um, I, I would love to see Drew without Shane McMahon. I, I think that Shane McMahon really is ruining it for me because. <laughs> As he is for a lot of people. <laughs> he really is. I mean, I feel like they're just trying hard to replace that, you know, Vince McMahon character since, you know, he can't have a go in the ring. But. Yeah, uh, Drew McIntyre, I could see Cesaro and Seth having a great match. I would like that, actually. Um, that would be good. I'd enjoy that very much. Something different, something fresh fans would like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's hard because he, he's such, like, a natural baby face, Seth Rollins, because he really is such a company man. But I, I liked that angle with him, you know, smacking... The special guest referees, you know, last week with the chair. I was, I was like, I, yeah. I, that's great. Yeah, that was really good. Really good. That, that, like, that was like, he's not just, you know, oh, I could do no wrong. Like, that's any person walking around ready to slap someone with a chair is not, <laughs> it's not like a morally, you know, a, you know, right angle type person. There, there's some flexibility going on there. That's a little bit, you know, messed up. But it's the character we want to see in Seth Rollins. We want to see less of this company guy and more, you know, smashing people with chairs and being cool. You know, yeah, being <laughs> isn't cool. that funny? Yeah, I know. It, how, who, who knew that worked? Right, <laughs> being a badass is really good. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, right, this is why I always keep my notifications up when I'm doing a podcast. We will we will conclude this podcast with me. Have you seen this news? It's literally broken two minutes ago. I'm just going to read the headline. It comes from Sports Illustrated. Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff have been named WWE executive directors, which means that Paul Heyman is now the director of Monday Night Raw. Eric Bischoff is now the director of SmackDown Live, and both are going to report to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. 
What the flip is going on in WWE? What is happening? Am I in a bad dream? That's that's. I I, I don't even know how I feel about. It. I'm kind of torn. On the one end, I'm like Paul Heyman. I love big fan of Paul Heyman. On the other hand, right. I, I'd say that I like Derek Bischoff too. I don't know what to make of this. What a strange out of nowhere decision. Again, that's literally happened in the last couple of minutes. What is happening? I don't know. See, that's the thing. I I love Paul Heyman. I mean, back in you know EC Dub days, it's it, just seeing him craft. That I'm, that's all I can you know equate to what Paul Heyman does is he crafts. He's yeah, very meticulous. He's a genius as well. You he know, gets it. Yeah. Exactly, and like you know, I equate it to you know, unfortunately, how the Kardashians over here. I don't know, you know, how big it is over there, but the Kardashians are very meticulous and crafty and everything is intentional. And, you know, when they're in a scandal, they're like, oh, we had no idea. But you you know it like they took, you know, a, a sex tape and made it, you know, basically, a, you know, billion dollars after, you know, everything that's happened where I feel like Paula Heyman can take. <laughs> he can take a literal, like, you know, garbage train and make it into something relevant. And, I mean, knowing that, like, at the, you know, latter half of Ronda Rousey's, you know, push towards WrestleMania, that Paul Heyman was helping her. And she was starting to make sense a little bit. I mean, a little bit Vince Russo, but that's fine. Uh, seeing how he was helping you know, an already athletic person start to speak better. I, I'm fully confident that Paul Heyman will be able to to have some continuity to the flagship show. I think, however, if they're, if they're actually, hang on, but I'll let you do the however in a second because I want to jump on that point just to say if they are actually allowed to have a creative input into this and Vince McMahon is actually going to take a step back a little bit and allow them to put some ideas in there, I think that both Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman are a fantastic choice for that job. And they both have the um, the evidence and the CV and the experience to back it up. Like, you know, Eric Bischoff sure. transformed WCW, Paul Heyman transformed ECW. I understand that we're in a different time frame, but again, it's the Vince Russo theory. If you, you can filter their ideas, but just don't stop their ideas did but that's the thing there's no point bringing in some names for the sake of us having a conversation on a on a podcast allow them to you know infiltrate and and influence the product i think that's the most important that's the most important thing in the world i think it's really it really really essential i will now let you do your uh, your other point <laughs> uh i was just gonna say however i think eric bischoff is a little bit of I thought you know, you were gonna say, yeah, yeah, I thought a you were risk gonna... no he's a little bit of He's a little bit of, you know, uh, a crapshoot a little bit because there are great things that Eric Bischoff, you know, did for WCW. And I don't think WCW would have been how big it was without Eric Bischoff. So, you know, I don't want anyone to come on here and say, wow, that Colleen girl, she she really is a mark. Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I, I, I understand. You're, you're allowed to be a mark, Colleen. It's not an insight. I don't know why people say this. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're a re- we're both wrestling nerds. It's okay. It's cool. This is true. But with that said, I feel like Eric Bischoff's track record is not foolproof. And I'm not sure if Vince put Paul Heyman on, you know, the main show because, you know, he has a 
capability of making it, you know, great again, you know, saying, you know, that. But I feel like Eric Bischoff needs some direction, you know, going forward. But I, I'm... I'm excited to see it. It's something different. Uh, that's the key, right? For some reason, it fills me with hope. And I don't actually know why. But I'm filled <laughs> with, I, I can't explain it. But for some reason, it fills me with hope. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen. But again, it all depends. What, it's up to Vince McMahon. The buck still stops with him. And I think they've made that mm. very clear in this press release. And, uh, yeah, but, and what does that say for Triple H? What the hell does Triple H think about that? Like, I, I don't know. This is, this is cr- know. What a crazy... It, see what I said? I said this a minute ago. Wrestling is crazy. <laughs> wrestling is abso- absolutely crazy. Well, there you go. That's it. That's done. I mean, I'll read it. I'll read you the headline just in case. <laughs> WWE has named Paul Heyman, Eric Bishop, executive directors of Raw and SmackDown, respectively. They report director of Man. That's it. And it's been confirmed by WWE. Maybe it's April the 1st and we've all forgotten. I hope that it helps. <laughs> but we will, uh, we, we, we will wait and see. And on that bombshell... We, we we can uh, yeah we can we, we can we can start to wrap it up. I I I know what you mean. Paul Heyman feels a bit more on the board at the moment than Eric Bischoff because Eric Bischoff has kind right. of vanished from the from the wrestling scene over the last few years. But maybe it's the case of you know once once you have that genius, maybe you always have that genius. I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't I don't even know. know that Eric Bischoff was still on speaking terms with Vince McMahon. I didn't. Like, I didn't. I guess. I, I. I thought they. I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Now I say it. I don't know what I thought. I'm just surprised <laughs> by that. I'm surprised by the whole thing. Um, and I, I imagine this is all everybody will talk about for the next 48 hours. Absolutely damn crazy. But you're. Right, I'm more excited about Paul Heyman than Eric Bischoff. You're right. Just a natural thing inside of me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I mean, I I just want to meet Paul Heyman for him to just insult me. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. Uh, yeah, I saw your your interview with him, and you guys hugging made me made me tear up a little bit. But you know. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll so. take any kind of emotion, Colleen. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Oh dear! All right. Well, as always, I want to thank you, Clint. You you've given me everything today by getting up so early. So thank you so much. Perfect. And I mean, I'm awake now, and I'm ready to ready to get on with your to, day, right? To go to my job. Exactly. And <laughs> is there any is there anybody there that you can talk to this about, or does nobody there get wrestling at all? I mean, my boyfriend and I. That's how we you know hang out, and you know we talk about different things. I actually was talking to him last night before we. Uh, uh, went to bed it was just like what do I even you know talk to Simon about and he's like you you've been you know it, it's just he he gets to hear how upset I am but he also watches me fall asleep during raw because raw is way too long and <laughs> is, I, yeah. I'm in my 30s it that that hour between 10 p.m and 11 p.m is really hard it's it's just really hard to stay it's, awake. It's too long. And the, there are a few things you can do for that long and stay invested. It is a it is a tall order to say to say the least. Well, I mean, someone was asking, you know, the first time I went to Raw, because I was talking to some of my East Coast, you know, friends. Is I was like, yeah, I'm going to Raw, and you know, here on um, on the East Coast when it's live, it starts at 5 p.m. because there's that three hour you know, time difference between here and the East coast. And they're like, why are you going to raw at 5 PM? Doesn't it, isn't it a live show? It starts at 8 PM. Yes, it, it does. But it's, <laughs> it starts for us at five, but when it goes on the television, it doesn't start till 8 PM. So, 
you know, I spoil it for myself usually when I go on Twitter after work and I'm like, oh, I, I see what's happening on Raw tonight. So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's my <laughs> Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. Get up at the crack of dawn and settle in for a few hours of bizarre wrestling. That's uh, all good. I'm a lucky boy. I know I get, I get, I get to do a good job. Well, look, Clean, thank you very much again. I hope you have a nice day at work and good luck with your new job and everything like that. Yeah. If anyone wants to, uh, I know I, I plugged my podcast last time, but I'm taking... Uh, you know, a little break while I settle into my new place and, and job. But I, I do have a YouTube uh, show <laughs> and I'm currently doing something called uh commute with Collins, which is, you know, my online name. Um, but if anyone wants to hang out, I can always send you the link. And uh, I, I post every couple of days and it's just, you know, 10 minutes of my commute where I talk about random things in the headlines and, I ask people their opinions, and it's been pretty interesting because I get random people telling me what they feel about, you know, global global climate change and, you know, anything anything in between. So. <laughs> well, make sure you tweet me the link, and I'll make sure I retweet it. That's, that's a good way to get it out there. And we can, and also, yeah, make sure people go and check that out. Make sure you do that. Uh, in the meantime, as well, uh, again, head over to my YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller on YouTube. That's the easiest way to do it. That's how everybody uses the program. And you can make sure you join the podcast live. Give it a subscribe on Instagram and Twitter at Simon316. All of this is supported by patreon.com forward to Simon316. And I got a bunch of brand new wrestling merchandise at simonmiller.bigcartel.com. But that is it for another episode of the Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. Enjoy your weekends. And I'll chat to you next week. Yeah.